0: Well, good morning and welcome to One Mission, the podcast. I'm your host, Rick Lance, and we have an opportunity today to be able to talk with a colleague, Rob Jackson, who's in his second tour of duty here with the Alabama Baptist State Board of Missions. Rob, earlier in his assignment when he was first with us, was in the evangelism office, and he's very knowledgeable about evangelism strategies. He currently is working in our office of church health and helping churches in the efforts to have church revitalization. Rob has already been networking well across the state, and we're delighted, Rob, to have you. And if you don't mind, just give a real brief background of your conversion, your call, and and your sense of calling here at the State Board of
1: Missions. Okay, thank you, Dr. Lance. What a privilege it is to not only talk with you, but more importantly to, to partner with you and, and work with you at the Alabama State Board of Missions. Uh, I'm a pharmacist by trade and was looking and praying about going to medical school, University of South Alabama. As During that time of prayer, I just sensed in my spirit that God was calling me uh, to full-time Christian work, vocational work. And this was not something I sought after, but something that God, in His grace, sought after me. And from that, Tanya, my wife, and I, we were pharmacists in Troy, Alabama. We attended Beeson Divinity School, and then went with my dad to Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfort, Kentucky, where I served with him, and then got my further my theological education at Southern Seminary. And after um, finishing my um, education at Southern. Then, God called me in nineteen ninety nine to to serve with you and the evangelism Office as an associate.
0: right. And we really enjoyed that time and and it's just an aside, but uh, Tanya and Rob have a beautiful daughter named Abigail. And when she was a preschooler, Pam and I were able to have the privilege of babysitting her sometime. and and so, Rob, thank you for that opportunity. And Abigail is a
1: beautiful, bright young lady, and I know you're proud of her. Well, thank you so much. That, that was something that—let uh, me just interject here for a second. So I'm associate. I'm young. And Abigail comes and said, oh, Daddy, you and Mommy get to have a date. And she was—ah, uh, goodness, I guess she was three, three and a half at that time. And I said, that's wonderful. Who's going to babysit? And said, well— I asked Miss Pam Lance if she'd babysit me. And so Sammy Gilbert came and said, what are you doing asking the executive director to babysit your daughter? But Dr. Lance and Pam were so gracious to babysit and to allow Abigail to be a part of their lives. I appreciate that greatly. That's fine. Pam, through the
0: years, has loved working with preschoolers. So he, she kind of has a passion, a gift for that in preschool. Though, yeah, she's gotten a little bit more mature through the years. She's working with uh, people even much older than we are and in the nursing home ministry and like. So that's been kind of her outlet for ministry. So it's it, it really is a delight to have you back on the team. And uh, you've made such headway in church revitalization. And let's talk a moment about the need for church revitalization and helping people understand that's not a negative. It's just addressing situations, and maybe we could talk about the focus of it. That is, what how we can help people with metrics or measurables to be able to determine church health, which is church revitalization, and then <clears throat> it kind of is in reverse, but so help develop, the, ignite the fanning the flames of the passion for it, because If our churches are healthy, they will evangelize, they will disciple, they'll be missional in nature. We both know that. My thinking is every church to some degree would have areas where they need to have church revitalization, some more than others. But coming out of COVID, more churches need church revitalization getting back to where they were and beyond. Now, we've had a Across the state, I hear anecdotally some real success stories in that. And then I hear some say, well, we're back financially, we're back here, back there, but we're not numerically back where we were, and that concerns them. So let's just talk a little bit about the need for it, the focus of it, and then trying to help
1: kindle the passion across the state. Talk about the need. As coming out of COVID, currently we have around 90% of the churches and and the Southern Baptist Convention, who are either plateaued or declining. And so there's a great need. But but I think you're accurate in saying the need for all of us, because church revitalization, we consider it moving any church into a position of greater health. Yeah. So that's really 100% of us. Right. And so all of us can revitalize in some way. What we like to do is we have a strategy. We come alongside a church. We mentor the pastor, mentor a team, and help them to come more balanced. And so we look at prayer. Hmm. How's their prayer ministry? Right? Uh, are they they kingdom focused in their prayers? We we look at evangelism. You cannot have a healthy church without evangelism. Right. Uh, we look at discipleship. Uh, we we look at um, fellowship. We look at ministry. We look at worship. All those six areas. And we have diagnostic tests uh, we we look at three nos. we help the pastor know himself what's his leadership style? Know your church and how are they ready for change and we're not trying to get them to to change drastically overnight, but just move the 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 ball down the the field using a football analogy just a few yards. can we have a couple of wins and build on those wins and those wins as well, and then know your community. We have demographic studies provided from our State Board of Missions, and we come in and walk the church through those and show these are some areas that you can be more effective reaching. So I think one of the, the keys is, how do you have a passion for it? And I think it starts with prayer. We we call our process empower. Because Acts eight, you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the disciples turn the world upside down for Christ after Pentecost. And so we direct the church to first seek the face of God, uh, and we help them through studies. But after they're seeking the face of God, then all of a sudden God begins to instill within them a desire to, we need to to be healthier.
0: Right. Well, that's, that's an outstanding process, and it... Uh... As I analyze it in my mind, very simply, what we're trying to help churches do is get back to the basics, Correct. which uh, really is what the church is supposed to be. Now, it's not that they've ignored it. It's just when you get into a lot of distractions that we have in our culture and we have, as I said, this ep- this pandemic and all of that's a major distraction, disruption as well as distractions. That's not even strong enough word. It's disruption. So we are still seeing churches come back, even somewhat two and a half, three years later. If you want to say it ended in 21, so we're still dealing with that. And even before then, what I think COVID did it 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 highlighted what was already happening. It exposed it that there were areas of church life that just needed revitalization. And uh, it's always easy to kind of drift away from the basics. So what I think I hear you saying is it's called back to the basics and go forward. You mentioned evangelism, and I've been trying to, through the years, help myself as well as others understand the need and what evangelism truly is. And let me just share some thoughts with you. And see if we can chat about that just for a moment. Sometimes I think I had a sermon decades ago. Sometimes I think people see evangelism as a four-letter word that it, they don't want. It's taboo. They don't want to use it. It doesn't. It doesn't fit their idea of what discipleship is. And I don't want to argue with uh, discipleship and evangelism, but you you can't disciple who has not been reached. Obviously, so. We have to have the the language of our culture needs to have a focus on evangelism. So in many ways, evangelism is the language and the lifestyle that creates the culture for the church to be kingdom-focused and also thereby being revitalized, clearly understand what their mission is, and it keeps things very, if you will, centered, centered, Clarified if we know our main mission and keep our eyes on that. So, I, I applaud that part of it. And you're assuming some uh, the assignment of evangelism as well as church evangelization. They're hand in glove. So let's talk a moment about what we can do to better help our church understand evangelism and be trained for it. So traditionally, we've had an inspiration rally. We've called it the evangelism conference, but we've also had training for churches across the state, say regionally or in associations or maybe at the church themselves if we, and here at the State Board of Missions. So would you mind just chatting how,
1: that, how you envision that might? Yeah, work? I think that still the inspiration for evangelism is needed, so the rallies are, are very good. Uh, but I don't think that could be the only sure. um, bullet we have in, in oh. our gun because we've, we've had a lot of inspiration I believe that it's going to take one-on-one for us to meet with a local church, with a pastor, and help them to develop a strategy for their church. Mm -hmm. That strategy includes prayer. You can't have evangelism without prayer. Um, That strategy uh, would fit their local context. Some, it might be the old... EE-type approach. That still works in some churches. Right. Others, it would be three circles. Others, it might be a simple gospel presentation. But we want to come alongside of the church and help them to tailor something. We'll also have training available for them, bringing, I pray, some of the greatest uh, evangelists uh, from around, training evangelism to bring them into the state and, and let others have an opportunity to hear these people ask questions. But third thing, I believe, it's it really is about a love for Christ. Um, I want, and my prayer is for my life and all of Alabama Baptists, that we begin to share a delight instead of a duty. You know, when you know I'm, I'm a football fan, and I've been to some big games, and when my football team wins. Man, I, I, I was at the SC Championship game recently, and I was just jumping up and down and, and hollering and screaming, and I got on the phone, I called people, I probably called you, and I said, yeah. man, this was a, a great... I was so excited, I wanted to tell other people. Right. And, and I think that when we fall to a greater extent in love with Christ, there's still that fear, but we begin to want to tell people. When Abigail was born, I didn't have to be forced to tell people That happy girl was born i called everybody i knew my daughter's been born Uh, we'd pray for 10 years for a child so she was a miracle baby and i want to get people to realize it's just a conversation with people that we're telling about the king of kings and lord of lords who's changed my life and changed their lives and we want other people to know about him so part of that is just to Mm -hmm. to get them freed up it's nothing we always fear we're talking about the king of kings but to know we're just sharing about what Christ has done in our lives. Now, I think one of the fears that that I have is, will people reject me when I say that? Right. And a lot of times, I do have people reject it, but I want them to hear right. because I'm the Bible teaches that hell's a reality. People will spend eternity apart from Christ, and I'd rather. Then reject me now, and at least playing the seed. We don't know what will happen in the future. Right. Then to come upon Judgment Day, and I didn't tell them.
0: Right. And, and we obviously are a more diverse culture, and I'm not just talking about racially. I'm talking about internationally. Much more diverse, even in the South, pockets of the South that might have been insulated from times before. Let me give you a quick anecdote. It flashed through my mind. Again, Pam is reaching out. <laughs> Uh, She has Chinese friends, Indian friends, uh, does that much more naturally perhaps than I do because she's have maybe a little more time. I'm um, focused on some other things, trying to help others. But more recently, she had three young Vietnamese people over to our home. One of them had been a Christian for a few years. One of them was a new Christian, and the other was still in Buddhism. So... There I was, I don't know, I'm not an expert on Buddhism, but I was trying to share with her, and she understands English well, uh, speaks broken English a little bit, of course, but I I just went through the basics, gave a personal testimony, and walked through who Jesus is, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And as I sat there and I thought about that, uh, that is the amazing, the world has come to us. We can go to the world, we do mission trips, but the world has come to us, and in this area here, which is a part of the traditional South, we have internationals uh, in Montgomery, we do in Prattville, uh, especially because of the Air Force, we have a real magnet that brings people here from the Middle East and around the world, so we have people from Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and India, and... world religions have come to us, and for us now to almost be a practical apologist for who Christ is and explain the basics, it's refreshing in a sense, because you think of missionaries doing that on the field far away from us. But there's a missional calling we have, of course. And since the world's come to us, we would be highly negligent. We're supporting missions around the world, but we're not looking at them right in front of us. So I applaud churches who have intentionally tried to cross those language barriers, cultural barriers, racial barriers, or whatever, and reach people as they are, who they are, where they are, and bring them to an understanding, help them come to an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. That is basic evangelism, and uh, as the old descriptor, it's one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And I often remind myself of that, that we have the good news that, that there is the bread of life, the way and truth of life. And I, I guess I'm suffering from undelivered sermon to get in all that, but it, it flashed through my mind. So uh, help, uh, help our, our listeners understand that this is not rocket science. These are This is our basic calling, our basic commitment, and that we don't have to be, we have to deal with our fears. We can't maybe conquer them, but cope with them. The fear of rejection, is, like you said, is huge. A person does not want to be rejected. We all want to be accepted. But And as a pastor, and you've been through this, having been a senior pastor, and I've been, I was a pastor for decades, so... I can simply say I've had some doors slammed in my face, and these are people who were basic Southerners, but they were just turned off with the church or whatever whatever reason. Maybe they're looking for a reason. It may have been their upbringing or whatever. But we can't let that deter us from going, because there's someone out there, when they open that door, their heart is open as well. And this is an opportune moment You can call it uh, a divine appointment, which is often used. And that's what we're talking about. Now, that's personal evangelism. There, of course, is lifestyle evangelism. But I often say, said as a pastor to our staff, if we're not focused as a staff, as ministers called of God, to do evangelism and put it on a front burner, no one else will. You don't get everything you talk about, but you get... Your focus on whatever you talk about the most, and whatever concerns you most, whatever your passion is, that's going to be communicated in so many ways, rather than just words. It's by actions. So I applaud pastors and other ministers and lay people. May not have the gift of evangelism, but they know they're called to do the work of evangelism, and that's. I know people who are far more gifted in evangelism than I am, but I still have to do the work of an evangelist. I say have to. I'm called to do that. So, you have any comments about that? I know I'm you pre- know, I, I I do preachifying think that, a bit. That
1: all of us in leadership, pastors, uh, even church members, we do not drift toward evangelism. No, that's right. And so, we have to keep it on the forefront. Uh, I was convinced in October. I was speaking for a men's retreat at First Baptist Tillman's Corner, and Derek Allen, I taught him at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary in evangelism. And he, before I got up there, he shared just several stories of people that I'd uh, led to faith in Christ before class. And, and as he was introducing me, he said, one of the greatest uh, you know, soul winners I know of, there was just conviction. I realized this was October, and I thought back, the entire month of October, I not led a single person to faith in Christ. Right. And I got up there and I was convicted and I said, you know, I, I've got to key. I can't rest on what I've done in the past. That's right. I must make it an everyday affair. So my challenge for myself is to reach more in 2024. Right. And, and I want to challenge you wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just pray, God, give me the strength to reach more in twenty four. And one of my prayers, and I prayed this morning, God, would you place in my pathway someone who's seeking you right. and then would you open my eyes and give me the boldness to recognize them and then to share your love with 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 that person
0: you and i talked about a, a motto slogan i don't know if i like
1: those words but
0: one more and 24 that's correct you want to talk about that a little bit just basic
1: yeah i think that's what I, if each of us would just say lord well, let's reach one more person in 24. May our churches say we want to reach one more in 24. And, of course, my prayer is that we reach that one more, and then we're still praying, Lord, let me reach one more, and then one more. Because the kingdom of God advances one person at a time. Right, And then we evangelize them to bring them in to establish them in their faith, be baptized into our churches, and then equip them to go reach others. So it's a multiplication process.
0: One Rather old definition of evangelism or description is evangelism is not complete until the evangelized becomes an evangelist. And in order to do that, you have to be a disciple. Do you want to talk about discipleship a little bit?
1: Yes, I think that you cannot separate evangelism from discipleship, disciple-making – Part of the process of disciple making is evangelism. Right. That's one of the process. So then, as we bring the person here, we have responsibility not to leave them in the pew or in the chair or whatever. We have responsibility to teach them to observe or obey everything the Lord's commanded us. So that is a part of the Great Commission. And and so I, I encourage each of you. Do you need some help? In your churches, we as a state board, we'd love to, Daniel Edmonds, come alongside of you, help you in developing a strategy for, for disciple-making. We'd love to come and help you develop a strategy for your church, training for your church to help your church and for you to reach one more in 24. You mentioned Daniel
0: Edmonds. Daniel Edmonds, uh, for those of your listeners may know him, he's the director of the office of Sunday School and Evangel- uh, Sunday School and Discipleship. And he is on the evangelism discipleship team with uh, Rob in his area of evangelism church revitalization, along with other offices. It's the largest team we have by far. We only have three, but clearly about forty percent of our people, or thereabout, are on that team. Maybe closer to fifty percent, but it's at least forty percent. And unapologetically, we say we want that to be our most potent in numbers and in focus. And so I'm looking forward to seeing even greater things coming from that team and certainly from your Office of Evangelism and Church Revitalization. Rob, you are a good friend, a dear friend, a servant of God, called of God, a good family man, an example for us all. We appreciate you being with us, and you are one of our treasures in Alabama Baptist life. So thank you for being able to sense God's call to return to the State Board of Missions and help us in these vital areas of ministry. Well, to all of you who are listeners today, we have been talking to Rob Jackson, who leads an area of evangelism and church revitalization. Now, you can contact him directly, and he is very accessible and available. I don't think he'd mind giving you his
1: cell number. A lot of pastors have, just like me. My cell number is... 256-476-7915. That's 256-476-7915. Or you can email me, rjackson at alsbom.org. Well, thank you for that. And that just demonstrates what I talked about with the accessibility and
0: availability. Our people are here for you. We uh, oftentimes, uh, we can only respond when we have an invitation, but... There are times that we kind of show up and invite ourselves, not trying to be intrusive, but more times than not, uh, there are people who reach out to us. There are many resources, as we've told you before, through the State Board of Missions, but the greatest resource we have would be human resources. You can't do ministry without people. And we're glad to have one of those individuals, Rob Jackson. Thank you for listening to us today and joining us for... One Mission, the podcast, and next time we come together, we'll have another ministry kingdom-focused conversation. God bless you.